0: music no one predicted it would be something that just suddenly went quiet one day but it happened the pandemic shut down live music venues across the US and in New Mexico it was more than a year For music to come back in most places. Music wasn't performed at all for the masses.
1: And this year, a resurgence. Since July of 2021, New Mexicans have once again been able to go see a concert, enjoy live music without capacity restrictions that the state had previously imposed through its public health orders. It's something we may have taken for granted before 2020, just going to a concert or a show. We know this impacted local businesses and venues, but what about the musicians who made their living Playing those shows. Here to chat with us today is local session artist, performer based musician, and educator Donny Tesso. He's played with Al Hurricane, anything from Tejano, jazz, top 40, country, pretty much any style of music. Donnie, you can play it. And thanks for joining us.
2: You know, can you repeat that again? I, I didn't record that. So, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, you know, when you say that, I mean, it, it really. Encompasses what I do do, you know, and and it's all the above, and we probably missed something. Yeah,
1: you know, you've uh, been doing reggae, this for fifty you years, know, fifty said.
2: years, you know, and and I was pretty young. When I started, but but it really is fifty years. So
1: first off, you have a pretty good pulse on the local music scene around New Mexico. Tell us what was a day in the life of a professional musician here, say in twenty nineteen, pre pandemic. Mm,
2: that's a that's a good one. Back in the good old days, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a typical day. Let's let, you know, I mean, for me, it's, it may be different from some other people, other musicians, because I do it for a living, and so that kind of like, there's not a nine to five. Then, then I come home and do my music. It's like a constant thing. I try to get what I can out of out of the way in the mornings, you know, exercising, I rode my bike today and you know, a few of those things, even though it doesn't look like it. And then it gets right into studying what I have to do for the day. And that could be for lessons. If, I, if, if I'm teaching and I have a few students and developing the curriculum for my teaching, if I have to play that night, Then it's looking over songs. You you have dinner if you have time, and then you 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 meet the other fellow musicians, and you play, and you and you're done at one o'clock in the morning. And then you get home at two o'clock in the morning if you're lucky, and do it again tomorrow.
1: Yeah. So how many gigs (laughs) roughly were you playing in 2019?
2: Because my taxes tell me what I what I do. I average 120 gigs a year. So and that could be I can do three one week and. 10 the next week, you know, so it, it's kind of like that. So very busy, very busy. And that's everything from like a brew house to a amphitheater. It's an average of, <laughs> of one every three days. So that's, something like that. Yeah, that's that's, that's very, a lot. Very yeah. average. Very
0: average. <laughs> I want you to take us back maybe to March 2020. The first COVID cases were confirmed in New Mexico that month. We know everyone was told to stay home. Bars, music venues were closed. As a professional musician, what was going through your mind? I mean, did you fathom at that point, maybe how long this would last or how deep this would
2: sort of cut into what you do? Man, that was a crazy time. Uh, You mentioned March. I remember looking at my calendar and looking at April 2020. And it was like, probably possibly the best month for me and for my people that I, you know, employ, I was still hoping that a miracle was going to happen. You know, a a cure was going to be, you know, somebody's going to find a cure and it didn't happen. And I I just saw that, that month just go down and, and you, of course you start looking at your finances because that's where you make your money. And I'm kind of going, okay, where am I going to make this up? You know, how am I going to make this up? And so you're kind of in panic mode and then you're, you're, you're it's like shock because, you know, for me playing for this since I was a kid and to be to, to be told you can't play, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, That's never happened it, was, before. it was never happened. So when you get thrown into that situation I and mean, you, you scramble and do what you can for me, I was able to keep some income coming in with my teaching, but it, it kind of went from in person to all of a sudden now it's got to be zoom elderly students that I have and and I'm saying I'm old too, but they're a little older than me and they are not really computer literate and stuff. So they said, I don't know how to do zoom and all that stuff. So I lost 25% of my students, I was able to take advantage or get, receive stimulus when that happened, but that wasn't right away. I was scrambling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels like you were you just sort of clinging on to any project you could man, I, to yeah. fill the gap. When you say cling, I mean, that's probably a great assessment of it.
1: And tell us a little bit about your family life too, because you've got two daughters you also play music yeah. with.
2: Well, you know what? I mean, you, you, you then you, as a dad, you know, you, you're like, oh man, you know, my daughters are, they've got their life, you know, and, and their, and their careers, what they do too, you know, or beautician and hair, Deanna nails and, and then fancy weddings and stuff they do, but they, they, couldn't do that either. You know, they couldn't do some of what they do because they're called a gig worker too. I saw them as like my, sort of my responsibility. Like, you know, now I can't employ my daughters because I work with them a lot.
1: You play music with them mm -hmm, for people who may not know, Mm -hmm. like you guys can be seen on stage together. Uh, Yes.
2: Yeah. You know, quite often in, in various uh, venues and, and genres. So yeah. So that was kind of like, Another thing for dad, you know, to, to absorb like, oh my God, I, I mean, I, I want to be able to help my kids. And, and I was kind of in a situation where I couldn't.
1: You know, we know the pandemic impacted so many people's jobs. You mentioned, you know, a lot of people switching to that remote workforce. How <laughs> did 2020 impact you personally, your ability to make a living, other musicians that you played with, were you able to sort of make up that yeah. re- lost revenue with those virtual lessons and how did that work out?
2: It was hard at first. But again, once the stimulus kicked in, you know, all all the the things that were put in place to... Gig workers don't get nothing, (laughs) usually, you know. uh, We're recognized as, I don't know, street workers, whatever we are, uh, musicians, but you know, Government allowed for us to be considered a, a real person <laughs> and receive uh, unemployment stimulus monies, but I was literally scrambling to, to, to make ends meet and thank God I was able to get more students. And that was really kind of me reaching out to people. Hey, do you, do you, so, do you want to study? Putting stuff on social media, like I'm available to uh, help you with your career, your, your, your guitar, bass guitar. And I got some calls. And then I started doing some pro- producing. People were calling me to, since they had time on their hands, you know, we've got to finish this album. Will you help us? And uh, so I was able to recover some of the monies that I wasn't making on the gigs. I'm fortunate to say that I didn't struggle as much as some other people. I saw a lot of my fellow musicians really, I saw some of them sell stuff. You know, they had to sell some of their prized instruments to make you know ends uh, ends meet.
1: What was the morale like among mm. your musician mm. friends and you too? We talked a little bit before we started recording about the sort of emotional roller coaster for musicians. Like, oh, hopefully this will only you know this will be over quickly, and and the excitement to really share content online sort of dwindled as well.
2: Man, boy, did it! It's like I. I think a way to describe it would be like, if you became crippled, you know, you, you, everything is different. You can't walk anymore or somebody has to help you. You, you feel handicapped. It was just to see my fellow musicians, you know, uh, in despair was, was tough. But a lot of us uh, came together in text messaging, social medias, helping each other out, words of encouragement. Uh, What I did, I started a Zoom thing where I said, you know what? I'm sitting here on a Friday night. It was like six o'clock or something. I'm supposed to be getting ready to go play somewhere. What can I do? I said, I'm going to start reaching out to some of my industry people. I'm going to do Donnie's COVID chill Sessions and we're gonna talk music on Friday night. We're 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 gonna I'm gonna gonna invite as many people as I can to participate, listen to a star, somebody big, talk to them and ask them questions about the industry. It was kind of very light and very fun, and it took our minds off of not playing that night. It sounds like
0: those kinds of uh, virtual outlets were a bit more effective and a bit more fun than maybe some of the um, the you could say pivot to video concert. Things that Mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Mm -hmm. that was one thing that a lot of um, cities, the city of Albuquerque, for example, they were paying artists to do these virtual concerts online, and certainly uh, some lifeblood for those groups. But I would imagine at the same level, it's just it's just not the same. You know,
2: you mentioned that Chris. It was like I remember doing a uh, the telethon, what's the annual Jerry Lewis thing, not 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 too long ago, and it, it there was not an audience. You know, it's just cameras, kind of like what you guys do. Yeah. You know, there wasn't, you know, you know, but, you know, taking orders and eating and drinking, and it was none of that. It was like we're playing, we're trying to play our hearts out, and there's nobody watching. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's kind of awkward you know, right it was
2: really it was really weird it's almost like recording and which is but when your mind is in the recording that's a whole different thing but now you're performing and you're going you're performing for the cameraman chewing gum and uh, you know it was it was very Enlightening. (laughs) Which is not the same, yeah. Not the same, not the same.
1: I've also heard from a few venues here in Albuquerque, you know, that if the closures had gone on much longer, they may have not been able to open back up. When they did over the summer, what was that like? Like, I remember seeing people dance to live music for the first time in so long. Do you remember, what was the feeling playing in front of a live audience after such Uh, a long hiatus?
2: it, It, you know, How do I explain that Uh, it was downtown and uh, in a a three piece country thing and to see people and maybe it's just me, you know, my perception. But the vibe in the place was like, we're so happy you're playing for us because we don't know how to do that, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So, I mean, for us, it was, I guess, the the green light and, and we felt like sort of normal. You know it didn't start all of a sudden obviously it just eased into it certain venues still stayed shut um there were still rules in places based on the uh, areas you were in i remember playing in rio doso the, the, well not in, in rio doso that's uh, the community outside of rio doso and those folks didn't care they this is during actually during the pandemic they did not wear masks and stuff and I felt I had to keep my distance. So I stayed behind the stage and performed while those people danced rather closely without masks. You know, so I saw some things that were probably very questionable, but that depends on what side of the coin you're on. I mean, politically and what have you. But uh, but getting back to when this sort of opened up again, it was man, it was like this is almost normal. (laughs) And it kind of it's kind of getting back to that sort of, but now this new variant is kind of scaring a bunch of us. So see what happens there. <laughs> yeah, and
0: along those lines, I did, did want to kind of ask that more pointed question. Now being nearly two years uh, from the start of the pandemic, we know venues, as you had mentioned, are booking shows, musicians, touring again. What are the crowds like? Is it really variable on where you go? Um, and you mentioned the politics of, of this as well.
2: Well, you know, I mean, if, if we look at the just Albuquerque area and and the venues that I've been playing sort of normal. I remember playing the first jam session, a blues jam. And I remember the first one we did about a month ago and seeing the people that you hadn't seen for a long time and the hugs and, man, it was just incredible. I mean, kind of almost get chills thinking about it. But I also remember that some of the, a couple of the regulars that were there were not there anymore because they had passed on. Mm. And so it was uh, it was kind of eerie but happy at the same time. Man, people are just almost sort of thinking normal and and acting normal. So I think that's where we're at right now, but you can still tell people are still a little bit apprehensive. There's some people that probably want to dance, but this is, well, you know, there's a bunch of people right there and they're not wearing masks and some are you know, so there's still a little bit of that apprehension in in a lot of people's minds. So it's not all, you know, let's go out you know, full blast yet, but it's getting there and hopefully it'll continue.
1: We know that health and safety were taken to into account when massive crowds again began to gather here in New Mexico. Some venues even were requiring vaccine proof or negative test results. Some big artists started requesting that at their own shows. What do you see as the future of life music in terms of how we keep it alive here in New Mexico?
2: Well, I think we should follow whatever protocol is, is, Administered, you know, from our government. You know, I, I'm, I I don't really want to talk politics that much, but you know, I, I I guess I trust I trust a lot of people that maybe know more than I do. <laughs> and if they say to wear a mask in, in in this place, then then do it. I'm kind of that guy. So,
1: but it's also like you don't want to start bar fights over it, right? Right,
2: <laughs> right. And and that's that's interesting. You know, where I mean, there's there is still tension, and I don't know. It's because people just don't realize that they're tense about things. You know, I mean, I can sense I've been playing bars for a long time. You can sense when there's a little bit of animosity. And, and, and again, that's because I think I'm kind of sensitive to that because of all the years I've seen stuff. And, and so there, there, there's apprehension. But I also see the hope in, in people's eyes. You know, I, I just I hope that we can all get more united. There's some places where the, you don't have to wear a mask. But I remember, I remember one of the musician buddies of mine, uh, Rudy Boy. Uh, he had hand sanitizer and and wipes on the stage for us. So you know, it was that was so that was very thoughtful for him to you know, here you guys if, make yourself make feel safe. You know, wipe your microphone down. You know, you know, because somebody else might sing on that. You know, and so yeah, yeah.
1: I'm sure it feels good though to just get back to the stage. And are, oh, y- you played a lot of <laughs> casinos, right? <laughs> yes. Like, what was? Yeah. I mean, those were well, shut down for a while too. Are yeah. you still? I will
2: think of San Diego Casino. The last time I played there last month, they still make the people on the floor that are dancing wear their masks. You don't have to wear your mask when you're. In the audience, sitting down, and I think the reason for that is because everybody's really close together, dancing. You know, strangers dancing with strangers, and so they're they're making people wear their mask. They're literally people are dancing, and they're literally going, "Sir, put your mask on." And people are going, "Oh, okay." Some of them are forgetting it, and some are like. Are you tell me to do something that I don't want to do? And then there's the tension and then there's the security taking the guy out. So even you the know. casino
1: gigs are not like they used no. to be. No, they're
2: not. Well, yeah, they're, not. They're, they're, they're still there's still some stuff in place that are, you know, a little, little bit of some barriers. And again, the Sandia has a different uh, government. Right. You know, so they're, 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 they're so, it's a the sovereign Pueblo. thing, you know, yeah. so they can implement what they want. Yeah. It still sounds like you guys are having fun out there though. Yeah. It's still, it's still that. I mean, when I think about this last weekend with my daughters and, and the guys, it really, I remember the first gig we did together, that band, it was a country band. That first gig was like, man, it was like, wow, it's good to be back together. And everybody's like smiling at each other. And it's, yeah, it's like family getting back together.
0: Is there anything else you'd, you'd want people to know
2: about New Mexico's music scene and the <sighs> music scene around here. Gosh, you guys, that's I would like to see more unity. We need to support each other. What's also important is I would like to see us all unite in making more money for each other. And what that also that also means that if a club or brew pub or what have you offers you a gig for some less money than you're used to, I think you should not take it. Justify why you need X amount of dollars. Otherwise you're not going to play there. If more musicians would do that, I think that some of these clubs and... and venues will say, well, we're going to have to pay more because well, we're not going to have anybody. I was making $50 a gig in 1972 as a tenured or whatever, however old I was. And in some cases, still making the same amount on a night. That's Something's wrong there. You know, instead of you know giving us a hamburger, give us a steak for, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So,
1: If we're speaking broadly to the general public who may not know anything about New Mexico's music scene, there's a pool of a lot of good musicians here right?
2: There are so many, so, so much talent here in New Mexico that is like world-class talent. They may not think it. I see it. I've been to Nashville. I've been to, I lived in Las Vegas, Nevada before I moved here.
1: Maybe you would, you would encourage people to go see a live show.
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, the venue I played last weekend, I mean, I think it's almost $5 or something to get in. You're going to pay $5 for a cup of coffee. You know, why not spend five bucks to get in? I always tell people, um, where are you from? New Mexico. Wow. They, they got guys like you out there. Yeah, there's a bunch of us. It's just not known for that. You know, if you're from LA that automatically you have the, oh, he's an LA guy. Well, I know a lot of LA musicians that are not as good as some of us, <laughs> simple as that.
1: I did mention it off the top. And can you explain for us, like what was it like playing with Al Hurricane?
2: When I moved here in 1988, Uh, February 1988. I I, I didn't know who Al Hurricane was. I remember seeing posters of a guy with a patch. I auditioned, not for him, I auditioned for his nephew. uh, Lorenzo Antonio is his name. He's a very, very popular uh, international. Uh, New Mexican, by the way. I... Was hired for Lorenzo Antonio to do some shows in Chicago and San Francisco. I can't remember where we were playing. Spring of 88. Around that time, Al Hurricane's guy quit. Al calls me, says, hey, bro, uh, just quit the bass. Uh, you want to play with me? And I'm going, well, yeah, why wouldn't I? You know, it's, it's a good gig. But I still didn't really know his... Popularity, his legend, yet. And so when I started playing with him, and I'm seeing, I'm signing autographs, you know, I'm going, why are they asking me for autograph? It's because he's out Hurricane, and I just saw the other side of him. I saw all the the rawness and and, and how he entertained people. And it was like, I I was like proud to be in this guy's band, you know, and and what it led to is is I owe him so much. Absolutely amazing to play for L. He was a great boss. He was a a good hang. He was so talented, you know, I have a lot of good memories. And man, one one of these days I'll I'll write a book. (laughs)
0: It was only on July 1st where New Mexico finally got rid of all of its indoor capacity limits that severely curtailed the number of people that could be inside participating in entertainment venues. Before that, New Mexico was on a county by county color-coded framework where the most people allowed inside for an entertainment venue was 33% of capacity.
1: And that reopening in July allowed for not just music and large concert venues, but places like Isotopes Park and big sporting events resumed in the state as well. Thanks again to Donnie Tesso for talking with us today. The music you heard in today's episode was Donnie Tesso performing with his two daughters during a tribute to the late Al Hurricane. to Atlantis CDs for the recording. We'll link back to the full performance in our show notes and on our website, krqe.com slash podcasts. If you like the podcast, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Send us your feedback, comments. I'm Burkhardt at krqe.com and gburknm on Twitter.
0: And I'm Chris McKee TV on Twitter and also McKee at krqe.com. Thanks for listening.